Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. They are definitely tough, smart cookies. Online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stefan Tubbs. Welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Thanks, as always, for hopefully making this program that we put so much love and attention and care and effort into. Hopefully you feel the same way and, and make it a Sunday habit. I'm Stefan Tubbs, our great producer, Michael Arpaio. Coming up for the vast majority of this program, we dedicate this episode to you, the Vietnam veteran. This past week, of course, commemorating National Vietnam Veterans Day, and we say a hearty and heartfelt welcome home. We could not do programs like this without our presenting sponsor, Attorney John Boson at Boson Law. Thank you, John, for believing in this program, believing in me and my idea many, many years ago to have a program dedicated to active duty and our veterans and their families and nonprofits, et cetera. Nobody better fighting on behalf of veterans every day, and especially right now as the deadline gets even closer focusing on you Camp Lejeune veterans. Get in touch if uh, that is perhaps you or somebody you know, or if you're having an issue with the with the VA. It's bosonlaw.com. That's B-O-E-S-E-N, bosonlaw.com, or 303-999-9999. We dedicate, again, the vast majority of this program to the Vietnam War, to Vietnam veterans. We say welcome home, but unfortunately, friends, we start with tragic news just a few days ago. Now to a tragic loss in the U.S. military to tell you about tonight. A deadly accident took the lives of nine soldiers in southwest Kentucky last night. Officials say two Black Hawk helicopters crashed during a routine training mission about 30 miles outside the Fort Campbell Army base. CBS's Janet Shamlin is there and spoke to an expert about the dangers of nighttime training. This is the field where two Black Hawk helicopters went down late last night. Emergency crews raced to the scene, but it was too late. Two helicopters came over uh, pretty low, and all of a sudden, uh, as soon as they got over the house, something popped, loud, loud bang, and everything shut down just all of a sudden. The Blackhawks were a version used for medical evacuations from the 101st Airborne Division at Fort Campbell. They were on a training mission using night vision goggles when the aircraft collided and went down in a field near the Kentucky-Tennessee border. I would like to express our deepest sympathies to the families of our fallen soldiers. 
According to a Facebook post, North Carolina pastor Tim Gore identified his son Caleb as one of the victims, saying he was the light of my world. Chuck Nadd is a former Army Black Hawk pilot. How much more difficult is it to fly a helicopter at night? When you're flying a Black Hawk helicopter at night, you have much less margin of error. You have to be on top of your game because the rate of closure, depth perception, all of that is diminished. The Army says one of the helicopters had five soldiers on board, the other four. We're going to wrap our arms around these families and we're going to be there with them, not just for the days, but the weeks and the months and the years to come. A Black Hawk from the Tennessee National Guard crashed in Alabama last month. Two reservists were killed. And last year, two Black Hawks with the Utah National Guard crashed during training. Everyone survived. Tonight, a flight safety team from Alabama's Fort Rucker is here investigating the crash. And the news has been devastating for the community that supports or Campbell. People around here feel very connected to the military. That from CBS News. More from last week's press conference. I would like to express our deepest sympathies to the families of our fallen soldiers. We are currently in the process of notifying their families. Until these notifications are complete, we are unable to provide specific details about our soldiers. We appreciate your patience and respect of the process, and we will provide additional details once all family members are notified. I would like to thank the first responders from Trigg County and the Kentucky State Police for the rapid and professional response and for their continued support. The Army has deployed an aircraft safety team from Fort Rucker, Alabama, who will arrive later today and will immediately initiate an investigation to help us understand what caused this crash in order to prevent accidents like this from happening again. This is a truly tragic loss for our families, our division, and Fort Campbell And our number one priority is caring for the families and the soldiers within our Combat Aviation Brigade. Our entire Fort Campbell community is surging resources in support, and our thoughts and prayers are with these families and these soldiers during this difficult time. Ladies and gentlemen, Governor Bashir would like to deliver some short remarks. Good morning. Today is a tough and a tragic day for Kentucky for the Fort Campbell, and for the 101st. The nine individuals we lost are children of God. They will be mourned and missed by their families, by their communities. We are blessed to live in the freest country in the history of planet Earth, but we must remember that that freedom relies on those who are willing to serve, some of which pay the ultimate price. We know a lot about loss in Kentucky, especially these last three years. We're going to do what we always do. We're going to wrap our arms around these families. And we're going to be there with them, not just for the days, but the weeks and the months and the years to come. We're going to let them know that they are loved, they are special. And if they'll allow us to carry some of their grief, we'll do that for as long as we can. My faith teaches me that while while the body is mortal, The soul is eternal, and we will see them again. This morning, I talked to Governor Bill Lee, who expressed his grief for this loss and his similar commitment to these families. There are no state lines when it comes to taking care of these families and helping them with their grief. Finally, I also want to thank the first responders who came from the entire 
region. Uh, they're on the ground immediately uh, after this incident, doing everything that they could. Obviously, the investigation continues and will continue to follow as more information becomes available out of Kentucky and the 101st Airborne. Our heartfelt thoughts and prayers go to the families of the nine, the family and friends. May they rest in peace. As we go to our first break, the rest of this program dedicated to you, the Vietnam veteran, to you, the Vietnam veterans family member. It's the least we can do. And we welcome you home. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. I had 13 men when I came. And it's four days later now, and how many are still here? Six. The mud's been, uh, it slowed everything down, and the artillery comes in everywhere, and uh, it just gets pretty futile and frustrating. When we were all boxed in, they were all around, and they were all over our perimeter, and we're throwing grenades, and I uh, got pretty close and uh, just run up to one of these kids and say, uh, Marine, we're going to get out of here, aren't we? And uh, the kid look up to you and say, you're damn right, we are skipper. If I live a hundred years, I'll just never, ever be able to... Uh, to, to tell the, the story uh, the way it really happened. I can't say that I'm scared stiff, but I'm scared. One zero zero. Six eight zero one zero zero. Stephen Tubbs. Appreciate your time most certainly on this Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. And again, if you miss an episode or you want to learn more about uh, this program, AmericanVeteranShow.com. I'm Stephen Tubbs, and along with producer Michael Arpaio, we continue this edition and want to, if you're just clicking on, make sure that you know we send our heartfelt condolences to the friends and family and to the United States military, to those nine killed this past week in Kentucky. Rest in peace. As we continue in the rest of this program, this past week was National Vietnam Veterans Day. We say welcome home to you if you were in the service in the Vietnam era. 
We know how you were treated. And what about, what about looking back? And what about not forgetting? That's the purpose, truly, of this show today. Nine million Americans served during the period of the Vietnam War. They represented 10% of their generation. Six million of them were volunteers. They were the oldest and best educated force America ever sent into harm's way. 97% would be honorably discharged. And today, the vast majority of them testify with their actions and their words that they are proud of their service and would serve again if called. November 14, 1965, 10.48 a.m. Elements of the 7th Cavalry touched down at Landing Zone X-Ray. Within 30 minutes, the Battle of the Idrang began, the first major battle fought by the American Army in Vietnam. Over three harrowing days, vastly outnumbered American forces would hold out and ultimately repel enemy forces. American forces would never lose a major engagement during the ensuing eight years of combat operations. Known as the Wall, the Vietnam Memorial stands in honor of those who served in the Vietnam War. The names of the men and women who gave their lives are inscribed in the order they were taken from us. 58,286 names. The youngest was Marine Private First Class Dan Bullock at 15 years of age, and the oldest was Navy Petty Officer First Class Kenna Taylor at 62. There are three sets of fathers and sons, one set of stepbrothers, 39 pairs of brothers, eight women, 16 clergy, and 155 Medal of Honor recipients. And let us not forget, there are still more than 1,600 missing and unaccounted for personnel. The French were in Vietnam before the Americans and lost more than 70,000 lives. More than 400,000 Allied troops served with the American forces. Joining as allies with the United States were the Republic of Korea, Thailand, the Republic of the Philippines, Australia, and New Zealand. These allies suffered more than 5,000 lives lost during the course of the war. American combat forces left Vietnam in 1973. Two years later, Saigon fell. Over those last two years, without American and Allied combat forces in the region, casualties in Southeast Asia were doubled what they had been during the 10 years prior. To our Vietnam veterans who answered the nation's call to serve, we thank you. Your greatness is etched in history from the battlefields of Southeast Asia to the neighborhoods of hometown America. 
where you continue to bring blessings and inspiration to your families and your country today. To the families of our Vietnam veterans, we thank you for the greatness of your support, sacrifice, vigilance, and compassion. And to our allies who stood by us 50 years ago, we thank you. The greatness that was earned by this generation never left you, and it never will. Wasn't that great? The awesome, voiced, Sam Elliott, mustache and all. As this American Veteran Show, we honor our nation's Vietnam veterans. Just last week, the annual National Vietnam Veterans Day. And, you know, we've had on this program so many times over the years, people who love the VA, people who hate the VA. And I say people, well, these people would know. It's you, the United States veteran. But as much as we try to be atypical, it's tough sometimes, right? I will give credit at least at least they're thinking of, you know, the timely issue. And in this case, for this program, National Vietnam War Veterans Day. This message from the Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Dennis McDonough. On behalf of a grateful nation and all of the Department of Veterans Affairs employees, let me say to America's 7 million Vietnam veterans, welcome home. Welcome home. And thank you. March 29th is National Vietnam War Veterans Day. This marks 50 years since the last of our combat troops came home. The day the U.S. Military Assistance Command, Vietnam, MACV, was disestablished. The day Hanoi freed those last prisoners of war. You know, words will never adequately express the depth of our gratitude to you, our Vietnam vets, for your courage, your selfless service, and the enormous sacrifices you and your families made. But there's virtue in trying and reminding everybody how you put your lives on the line for all of us, how much you gave and how much you gave up on behalf of all Americans, and how too many Americans turned their backs on you when you came home. So on this 50th anniversary, we remember each and every one of you who served this country, in theater and around the world, from November 1st, 1955 to May 15th, 1975. And we will never forget, never forget, the 58,281 of your brothers and sisters in arms, their names inscribed on the black granite panels of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, who gave their last full measure of devotion the Vietnam War Gold Star families who suffered unimaginable loss, and 1,581 still missing in action and unaccounted for, whose families await word of their loved one to this very day. I encourage everyone to commemorate this important day and to say thank you to Vietnam veterans. Reach out to Vietnam vets in your families. Reach out to Vietnam vets in your neighborhoods. And reach out to those vets who may be isolated, living alone, or in care facilities. Every one of us owes each and every one of them 
our deepest gratitude, our deepest thanks. Thanks, that's long overdue. God bless you. God bless our Vietnam veterans, their families, caregivers, and survivors. And may we always serve them as well as they have served this great country. Once again, Dennis McDonough, the Secretary of Veterans Affairs. We'll take a time out and we'll continue our salute and our thanks as we welcome home our Vietnam veterans, honoring this past week's National Vietnam Veterans Day. Coming up, you'll hear from the great communicator, one of the greatest presidents in our nation's history, as he presents the Medal of Honor in 1981 to a man who is no longer with us, but... You'll hear his citation read by the great Ronald Reagan, and then you'll hear from this incredible Green Beret Army veteran from the Vietnam War. Glad you're with us. I'm Stephen Tubbs. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stephen Tubbs. We continue this week's edition of the American Veteran Show and this specific episode dedicated to you, the Vietnam veteran. We welcome you home. And this past week, the 2023 National Vietnam Veterans Day. And uh, I hope that if you are a veteran of the Vietnam War, I hope somebody said thank you. I know you probably didn't want to hear that. Many of you Vietnam veterans tell me that all the time. Oh, I did nothing, or I don't want to talk about it, and I certainly respect that. But on this program, we welcome you home. Coming up, we're going to hear from the great communicator, President Reagan in 1981, reading a citation that would then be followed by the presentation of the Congressional Medal of Honor with an incredible Vietnam veteran who has since passed. But before we do that, you know, it was, it was actually 1995, that Vietnam officially released the estimate of the number of people killed during the Vietnam War, 1995. And according to Vietnamese officials, as many as 2 million civilians on both sides, some 1.1 million North Vietnamese and Viet Cong fighters were, were killed. Now, according to the U.S. military, They've estimated, or it has estimated, that between 200,000 and 250,000 South Vietnamese soldiers died. And, of course, at the beautiful, somber Vietnam Veterans War Memorial in Washington, D.C., the wall with more than 58,000 names etched into that marble. We take you back now to... 1981. Realizing that all the team members were either dead or wounded and unable to move to the pickup zone, he directed the aircraft to a nearby clearing where he jumped from the hovering helicopter and ran approximately 75 meters under withering small arms fire to the crippled team. Prior to reaching the team's position, he was wounded in his right leg, face, and head. Despite these painful injuries, he took charge, repositioning the team members and directing their fire to facilitate the landing of an extraction aircraft and the loading of wounded and dead team members. He then threw smoke canisters to direct the aircraft to the team's position. Despite his severe wounds and under intense enemy fire, he carried and dragged half of the wounded team members to the awaiting aircraft. He then provided protective fire by running alongside the aircraft as it moved to pick up the remaining team members. As the enemy's fire intensified, 
He hurried to recover the body and the classified documents on the dead team leader. When he reached the team leader's body, Sergeant Benavides was severely wounded by small arms fire in the abdomen and grenade fragments in his back. At nearly the same moment, the aircraft pilot was mortally wounded and his helicopter crashed. Although in extremely critical condition due to his multiple wounds, Sergeant Benavides secured the classified documents and made his way back to the wreckage where he aided the wounded out of the overturned aircraft and gathered the stunned survivors into a defensive perimeter. Under increasing enemy automatic weapons and grenade fire, he moved around the perimeter, distributing water and ammunition to his weary men, reinstilling in them a will to live and fight. Facing a buildup of enemy opposition with a beleaguered team, Sergeant Benavides mustered his strength and began calling in tactical airstrikes and directing the fire from supporting gunships to suppress the enemy's fire and so permit another extraction attempt. He was wounded again in his thigh by small arms fire while administering first aid to a wounded team member just before another extraction helicopter was able to land. His indomitable spirit kept him going as he began to carry his comrades to the craft. On his second trip with the wounded, he was clubbed from behind by an enemy soldier. In the ensuing hand-to-hand -hand combat, he sustained additional wounds to his head and arms before killing his adversary. He then continued under devastating fire to carry the wounded to the helicopter. Upon reaching the aircraft, he spotted and killed two enemy soldiers who were rushing the craft from an angle that prevented the aircraft door gunner from firing upon them. With little strength remaining, he made one last trip to the perimeter to ensure that all classified material had been collected or destroyed and to bring in the remaining wounded. Only then, in serious condition from numerous wounds and loss of blood, did he allow himself to be pulled into the extraction aircraft. Sergeant Benavides' gallant choice to join voluntarily his comrades who were in critical straits, to expose himself constantly to withering enemy fire, and his refusal to be stopped despite numerous severe wounds saved the lives of at least eight men. His fearless personal leadership, tenacious devotion to duty, and extremely valorous actions in the face of overwhelming odds were in keeping with the finest traditions of the military service and reflect the utmost credit on him and the United States Army. Sergeant Benedictus, a nation grateful to you and to all your comrades living and dead, awards you its highest symbol of gratitude for service above and beyond the call of duty, the Congressional Medal of Honor. President Reagan from 1981 in the Medal of Honor Citation and Ceremony. And now the man himself, Master Sergeant United States Army Green Beret veteran of the Vietnam War, Roy Benavides. I was uh, cleaned up, put in a helicopter, alongside with my buddy, one of the guys that I saved. We got airborne, and I just said to myself, hold on, buddy, just hold on. We're going to get some medical attention. And his grip tightened up on me. And then he let go. We landed in the hospital at, at uh, Long Bend. I was wheeled to the operating room. I woke up in the ward. One of my buddies was laying next to me. We were so bandaged up, we couldn't talk. We used to wiggle our toes to make sure that we were still alive. After a short while, my buddy was transferred from there, and I thought he had died. I was transferred to Japan, Tachikawa, 
So after I went back to Fort Sam Houston, the Beach Pavilion, and I stayed in the hospital almost a year, I continued with my career, and then I was awarded with a medal. I was dedicating myself to come and speak to schools, to civic groups, to help anyone that I can help. My life was spared for a reason, and I hope there's a good reason. A lot of people call me a hero. I appreciate the title, but the real heroes are the ones that gave their life for this country. The real heroes are our wives, our mothers. Above all, the heroes are the ones that are laying in those hospitals, disabled for life in those hospital beds. But the real heroes are the future leaders of our country, these students that are staying in school and learning to say no to drugs. Those are our real heroes. You know, there's a saying among us veterans, for those that had fought for it, life has a special flavor that protected will never know. You have never lived till you almost died. And it is us veterans that pray for peace, most of all, especially the wounded, because we have to suffer the wounds of war. I'm asked hundreds of times, would you do it over again? In my 25 years in the military, I feel like I've been overpaid for the service to my country. There'll never be enough paper to print the money, nor enough gold in Fort Knox for me to have to keep from doing what I did. I'm proud of being American, and even prouder. And I'm even prouder that I've earned the privilege to wear the Green Beret. I live by the motto of duty, honor, country. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. This Green Beret, Roy Benavides, Vietnam veteran, Master Sergeant, United States Army, he passed nine years after that speech. That was 10 years after he received the Congressional Medal of Honor. 1981, President Reagan presents it to this hero. Ten years later, what you just heard. And in 1998, this Vietnam veteran passed. We salute you. We salute all of you. Welcome home. Final segment this week as we dedicate it to the Vietnam veteran as part of just the last week when we commemorated the National Vietnam Veterans Day and two touching stories you do not want to miss. That wraps up the program. Coming up, this is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephen Tubbs. 
We wrap up this week's edition of the American Veterans Show. We say welcome home to you veterans of the Vietnam War. We commemorate this week National Vietnam Veterans Day that was, of course, on the calendar. Now, last month, because now we're into the month of April. If you listen to the regular program, which I hope you do, Monday through Friday, 4 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, it may not surprise you that I often kind of rip on local television news. Certainly here where our home base is in Denver, Colorado, local TV. But I do want to give kudos where kudos uh, are certainly earned and respected. Listen to this incredible story from KSDK. Speaking of Vietnam veterans, listen to this about two Vietnam War veterans who came together decades later. What you need to try to find is 125. What's 125? What is that? That's a route number. There is never an easy route to the places that matter. And on this day... It's exit number 76. Two men are going in a new direction. The destination is Ashland, Illinois, a farming community about 120 miles in decibels from St. Louis. I've always liked farming because you're your own boss. You can tell by the... Dale Edge lives and works on 400 acres, where it's been a good year for soybeans. Now they're putting on pods and filling pods. Edge has been farming this land practically all his life, except for the time when he traded in his work boots for army boots. The year was 1968, and Dale Edge was drafted to fight for his country in Vietnam. I knew probably that I'd get drafted. I wasn't going to volunteer, but I wasn't going to run either. But the Vietnam War was like a wound that never healed. Soldiers bravely faced the enemy, only to come home and face scorn as soon as their plane landed. There's guys kissing the ground. Glad to be back. Glad to made it. And then when you go another 30 feet or from here to the car and They start screaming and hollering stuff at you. I ain't going to repeat it. That's why Dale took his feelings and his stories and buried them. Except for one. One story that needed an ending. And recently, after getting his first smartphone, he finally decided to solve the mystery by doing some checking on the Internet. Then got up the courage to make a phone call. I said, Dale, i got to be really honest. I don't know who you are. I said, he said, well, I understand that. It's 53 years ago. I can understand that. 73-year-old Fred Jarlene lives in Minnesota and works for Great Steps, a company that makes prosthetic and orthotic devices. And he's pretty popular with his clients. They like people that are amputees because you can feel, feel some of the stuff. And some people like that. You know, Oh, you've got one? Okay, then I'm okay. This is all titanium. Fred lost his leg during a firefight in Vietnam. I got behind a tree, dropped down on this knee, this leg was up, and I was shooting around the tree, and an RPG hit right there, that side of the tree. Dale remembers that attack. It's like that lightning. Boom! She went off. They throwed an RPG in on us. Before the medics got there, I put a tourniquet on Fred's leg. And then he remembers keeping Fred calm and helping to get him on a medical evacuation chopper. Fred told him, I'm going to see you at home. I said, I'll never forget that, Fred. And I didn't. They were in the same platoon, but didn't know each other that well before that day. Still, for more than half a century, Dale Edge wondered. I didn't know if he lived. I wanted to know if he made it or not. Slow down, slow down. That one phone call 
filled a void. Yeah. And then his heart was filled when Fred drove more than 560 miles for a reunion more than 50 years in the making. I'm doing fine, Fred. Me too. Good to see you. Good to see you, buddy. It's been a couple weeks, right? <laughs> so much time and distance meant so little as soon as the two men started talking. They would spend the weekend excavating memories. It was an answer to prayer. If you want to know the truth, I don't know how many times I prayed for that man. It's a lot in here. You love him. Comrade. That's on one of the towers, the watchtowers. Oh, yeah. Remembering the hard days is always easier with an old friend. And we was zigzagging down the mountain. For the first time since they've been back from Vietnam, these two veterans finally get a welcome home. Oh, welcome God, home, we buddy. It. Thank you. You too. Outstanding local news story from last year. KSDK in St. Louis. And finally, this from KARE TV in Minneapolis. When the uniform came off, Ted Senor's war went on. I remember being a little girl, he would wake up with night terrors. I would hear him scream. He'd wake up in the middle of the night just soaking sweat. Ted Senor. That's me right there. Sent to Vietnam at 19. Dear kid. I know. I, I, look at me. The wide-eyed Sheldon, Wisconsin farm kid. Right here. In over his head. And soon under the watchful eye of a mentor. Yeah, him and I. And friend. Fort Riley, Kansas. That's Vern and that's I. Vern Enert was five years older than Ted. Vern and I were goofing around one day in the barracks, and I flipped him right over. Still, they became. We were riding home. Fast. Friends. This is Vern up here. This is me here. <laughs> I was sleeping one night and he came back from having a few drinks. Together, they shipped out. The USS Gordon. 1965. They said, your destination is Southeast Asia. We didn't know anything about Vietnam. Vietnam. I said, what? Nobody in our, in our platoon said, what the hell? Where's Vietnam? Questions with answers that would shape the rest of their lives. I don't know how they, they really made it through when you look at about 60,000 people that never made it back. That first night was all hell. Everybody was shooting at everything. Ted survived that night and a year's worth of days to come. That uh, bunker. With Vern. That's me. By his side. Vern laying over here taking a nap. We used to dig holes in Foxhole at night and sit with our back to one another. Vern and I, we were, we were just like that all the way through. And then, having served their time and country, Vern and Ted took off their uniforms and went home. Did you ever try to find Vern after you got back? No. Never tried. When they came back, I think, I think they just wanted to forget what actually happened. Just the horror of it. My father never spoke about anybody. But then Ted's daughter, Cindy, yeah. grew up to be a middle school teacher, taking classes to Washington, D.C. and the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. He asked me to look up a few names for him that were on the wall. As she rubbed those names in pencil on paper, Cindy knew instinctively a page had turned. I knew that... Um, 
when he asked me to bring those um, those names home. I knew it was time to start reaching out to find his buddies that were still alive. Cindy also soon knew the first call she would make. Howdy. LeBurn. Hi there, Ted. You How old are you? dog ain't seen you for Hi. so long. How you doing? Good, young man. <laughs> Vern. Yeah. Found by Cindy in Frazee, Minnesota. I got a beer. You want a beer? I could probably stand one. Two bodies sharing a beer. Yeah, I always looked up to you, Vern. And memories. There's our tent. This is this was where we lived in in, in uh, Benoit. Yeah. I think what they went through. I had the bottom bunk, you had right. the top bunk. The stories they told one another. Yeah. <laughs> That was their family. (laughs) And so reuniting them, I think, is just, it brings that family back together. Over time, Ted's uniform has faded and frayed. Call it a daughter's intuition. (laughs) That old soldiers can be mended, too. I'm sure glad to see you again, young man. Boyd Hooper, Carol Evan News, Brazy, Minnesota. Two outstanding local news stories as we commemorate National Vietnam Veterans Day. On this program, of course, it was last week. That again from KARE-TV in Minneapolis. That wraps up this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Please send your prayers, your condolences, your positive thoughts to those families who are reeling right now after last week's Black Hawk helicopter accident, two of them colliding, nine U.S. service members killed. Rest in peace. For producer Michael Arpaio, I'm Stefan Tubbs. Have a terrific rest of your day and a great week. We'll talk to you next week right here and Remember Our Troops. The American Veterans Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteranShow.com. And join us next week for another edition of The American Veteran Show. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp.